And I'm thankful for that. If you want to get your bulletin out and your outline, if you want to take notes, I want to encourage you to do that. You can turn in your Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians. We'll be there in just a moment. But I wanted to take an opportunity to be thankful again this morning. I'm going to do it a few times today, but if you'll give me liberty, uh, one of the things that makes us, I think, as, as people who are growing, as adults, as we go through this life day by day, uh, we are reminded of things that cause us to feel old. I'm not, I'm not old, so I can't speak to some of your ages, but um, today I feel old, and I'll tell you why, but it's something I'm thankful for. I, when we were here... In 2012 to 14, uh, it was a privilege to be your youth pastor and to, to be able to work with the teens. And something that makes you feel old is when you work with somebody whose date of birth is such a year that you think, boy, that was not that long ago. In reality, it was 20 years ago, and it just makes you feel old. But one of the things that I'm thankful for today is I'm thankful that Annie's here today because one of the teenagers that I help disciple and, and care for in my time here with Savannah, and she has given birth to a beautiful baby girl, and uh, it was not easy, it was hard, and uh, we are praising God and thanking Him for, for all that He's done, yes. She took Luna to church, praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen, amen. So that makes me like a youth grandpa, right? I don't know. I'm going to take credit for that. So you can tell Savannah when you talk to her later that, that I'm going to take credit for being a youth grandpa. Greg, I got you on that one. You're, you're not there yet. You'll get there. <laughs> but I'm thankful that God works in our life, amen? I'm thankful for those moments. It's a continual work. And I hope over these last few weeks leading up to Thanksgiving, you've had opportunity to be thankful. This is the week that, that we are looking forward to as an opportunity to celebrate Thanksgiving. And many times I find myself, even as I just drive through a normal day, and I, I, I find myself, especially when I'm in the vehicle and I'm driving, and I'll look around and I'll just take notice of what's going on, and I'll just catch myself whispering, thank you, God. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for what you've given to us. And today, I believe God's given me a message about being confident in our thanksgiving. And you might be thinking, well, what does confidence have to do in thanksgiving? Why do I need to be confident in being thankful? And if you're, if you're wondering that question, I want you just to stay with me for a little bit. And we're going to get there and we're going to talk about it uh, a little bit. But I don't know if you've looked around the world lately. Anybody watch the news in the last 24, 48 hours? Anybody read the newspaper this week? Um, it's, it's a little hard sometimes to be thankful. It's a little hard to look at the world around us and wonder what is going on. There's so much negativity, but in the midst of it, I believe as Christ followers, we are called to continually give thanks. And I pray that even though the world may seem like a negative going to hell in a handbasket, that we can be thankful that God is still on the throne, that he is still in control, and I'm so thankful for that. There are times in our life where, where it's hard to be thankful. It's, there's times when we have a lack of confidence in being thankful, and, and I would even go as to, to give us some examples this morning. There's times when we're uncertain 
about what we can be thankful about. Let me give you some examples. There's times in my own life where I, I struggle to be confident, to be thankful for the gifts and the talents that God has given me. And I have insecurity in that area of my life where I struggle to be thankful for the gifts God has given me. And maybe you're that way too, where you think, I don't have anything to share with others. I don't have anything to give. But you do. And, and there's times where we're uncertain and, we, and it's hard to give thanks. But God help us to be thankful in our uncertainty. There's probably some of you out there, teenagers, uh, young people that are looking at the next chapter of your life and it's coming up quickly and you're uncertain about your future and it's hard in those times to, to be thankful. Maybe you're going through a time in a relationship where you're insecure about that relationship. You're struggling to, to maintain the friendship or maintain the relationship and it's, it's hard to be thankful when you just seem to be button heads all the time. Maybe there's times where we're uncertain in our own life about how we parent or grandparent, how we deal with those that are closest to us. There's times when I struggle and I'm a little uncertain sometimes about how God is using me as a spiritual leader and a mentor. And there's times when I know you are in relationship with others that maybe you're wondering, how can I ever be of help to them spiritually? And we struggle to be thankful for that. Sometimes maybe we struggle at work on our jobs of, to be thankful for what the blessing that God has given us. There's times that even in a physical sense that I, I struggle to give thanks for the way I look. And I think sometimes, God, if I could just change one thing about my physical... Hold on. God, if I could just change 43 things about my physical appearance... 44, sorry. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 there's times when we just, we struggle sometimes to be confident, to be thankful in our insecurities. And instead of saying sometimes, you know, when we're in those moments of, you can do this, you were called for this, I know you've got this, and we, we want to pep ourselves up and encourage ourselves, or maybe we're helping somebody else, instead of trying to be an encouragement and and a positive reinforcement, we say things instead of, you can do this, we say things like, okay, don't blow this. Don't mess this up. This, there's a lot of people here today, BJ, don't mess this one up. And we tend to focus on the negative. And usually, we see people that are overly confident, they're, they're arrogant, they're boastful, they're... they're let me even say the word, they're, they're even on the cocky side of things. And we see people like that and we think, man, why are they so confident? How do they, what have they got going for them? But I'm here to tell you that there's times when sometimes the most confident people on the outside are the most insecure on the inside. And they're trying to compensate for something that they're not experiencing in their own life. And so they come out as being very, very confident when in fact they're very small on the inside. And they struggle with those insecurities and things. And we get to see people of different categories that we put these labels on them as certain types of people because they do certain types of things to exude their confidence or to gain confidence. And I want to tell you about some of these people. And most likely, we all fall into one of these three categories, okay? The first category is this, people pleasers. People pleasers. You know that person. That person that when they're at work, they're like, yes, yes, boss, I'll do whatever you say. 
oh, that's a great job, boss. You did a great job. That was a wonderful thing that you did. Thank you so much for doing that. Oh, oh, you want, you want me to do that? I'll go do that. Oh, you need me to, to, to give you some money? Yeah, I'll give you some money. Oh, you want all of my money? Yeah, I'll give you all of my money because I just want to please you. I want to make sure you have what you need, and I want to make sure that you know I think you're the best. And they'll do and they'll say anything to please us. If you know somebody like that, would you just raise your hand? Keep your hands up. Raise your hand if you know somebody like that. Okay, I want you to look around. Some of you raised your hand because you, you know you're a people pleaser and you wanted to please me by raising your hand. <laughs> Most likely, there's at least one of you that did that just because, well, he told me to do it, so I don't want him to be mad at me. He's already insecure about this message. I better give him some confidence. <laughs> yeah. You know who you are. You know what that's like. Now we've got some others that are what I call fishers. They fish for confidence. And you see this a lot on social media, especially. They'll post something. They'll, they'll, get, they'll get their phones out. and They'll, they'll get ready to take their, their selfie. They've done their makeup. And they've, they, they're kind of, but they're looking like they're just kind of having a blah day. And they'll post a, a selfie and they're saying, oh, just another day. Don't really look good. But they really tried to look good. And they're fishing for, for, for people and attention so that somebody likes their photo on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is. And they think, oh, I got so many likes. I'm... Yeah, they're fishing for confidence. So if you know somebody like that, would you just, would you just smile, s- s- smile at them? You know, we're going we're gonna to post this on Facebook and see, you know, just another, just another day in the life of... Uh, being a pastor, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's post this real quick. I just don't want you to think that I'm not following up with what I say I do, and I'm preaching to the crowd here as well. Facebook, here we go. I'm getting there. Hold on just a minute. I, I really want people to know this about, you know, just another day, just another day of worship. Love my church. Hashtag, my pastor tries too hard. (laughs) Post. Share. There it goes. Now it's out there forever. I got the checkbox. Everybody, I got the checkbox. We're good. We did it. We made it. So now we'll see how many likes we get. Oh, I can't wait. So we fish for confidence. We fish for it. You know, then there's another type of, of person that we all know of. They're called the one-uppers. You know, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, you have those one-uppers, especially as parents. We, we get this way. Uh, somebody may come up to me and say, you know what? My, my, my child, I'm so proud of them. They, they read a whole chapter in the Bible on their own last night before bed. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. Well, guess what my child did? They memorized the whole book of the Bible in Hebrew and memorized it and quoted it back to me. Yeah. And, and they just got to one-up us. They got to, they then you get people that are just, they just, uh, you know, they're, they're so excited. They don't want to share it with too many people, but they say, you know what? I can't wait to get away with my wife or my spouse this weekend, and we're going to go get a, a, just a short getaway. We just need some time away. Oh, that's so great. I'm so happy for you. You know what we did last month? We went away for three weeks to our private island, and we enjoyed this great time, and we one-up them. And we see those one-uppers, and then some people say, you know what? I've really been struggling. I haven't been feeling well. 
But I went to the doctor, and they, they think they, they got me under control. They gave me some medicine. And I, I'm getting better. I'm getting healed. Oh, that's, that's so great. I'm so happy for you. But did you hear what happened to me? I had this disease they'd never seen before. And these doctors called in all these other specialists, and they, they, they were able to heal me with this special disease, and now I'm going to be in a medical book. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But we have some one-uppers in our midst, don't we? Because we're trying to be confident in those things that we're thankful for. We all know people like this, and in fact, probably we've all been one of those people before. And sometimes we go through life and we focus too much on our insecurities and we focus too much on our lack of confidence that it keeps us sometimes from following our dreams. It keeps us from doing things that God has intended for us to do. And yet, we still live in that same pattern of insecurity and lack of confidence. So today, the question we need to answer this morning is this. If you're taking notes, here's the first thing in your, in your notes. How can I be confident in my thanksgiving? How can I be confident in my thanksgiving? And I, I want us to see from our text this morning from 1 Corinthians that our text this morning is going to tell us to forget about self-confidence. It's useless. We should cultivate God-confidence. And I want to read to you a little bit more than what's in your outline. Uh, you're going to see a couple of verses on the screen at the end. But I want to read you some context here from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 1. You follow along with me as I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us, so that we would not crave evil things as they did, or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry, and we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Verse 9, nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did, and then died from snake bites. Verse 10, here's what's on your screen. And don't grumble as some of them did, and then were destroyed by the angel of death. Verse 11, these things happened... To them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Be careful not to fall. I want you to hear Eugene Peterson's translation from the message from those last two verses. Listen to what he writes in the message. These are all warning markers, danger in our history books, written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. Our positions in the story are parallel. They are at the beginning, we are at the end, and we are just as capable of messing it up as they were. So don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. 
you could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. So here it is. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God-confidence. Cultivate God-confidence. So there's times in our life when our insecurities seem to take over us and we try to build up some self-confidence so that we can manage our life. And what God's Word is telling us through Paul today is that we don't need to worry about self-confidence. Instead, we need to cultivate God-confidence in our life. If we really want to max out for God and give God everything in our life, We've got to stop relying on ourselves and start relying on Him. Amen? So I have three truths today that will help us to answer our question. How can we cultivate God confidence? Here it is. Number one, we need to remember this truth. My God is always for me. We need to realize that God is never out to get us. God is not a God who's sitting up in heaven just watching you, waiting for you to mess up so he can just backhand you. That's not the God that we serve. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? God is a just God. And if we do things that cause us to have consequences that are apart from his will, don't you think differently, you will have to pay those consequences. But God is not looking for us to mess up. He's not up there trying to just wait for us so he can just sink his teeth into us with his judgment. That's not how he works. Think of it this way. If you're a parent or a grandparent, you don't wake up in the morning and think about, well, how can I get my kid to really have a bad day today? I don't wake up my my children in the mornings to get them ready for school and say, wake up, rise and shine. Today's going to be the worst day of your life. I don't do that. You don't do that. We don't want to set ourselves up for failure. And so we we need to realize that God is not trying to set us up for failure. In fact, he's always with us to help us. He never wants to be apart from us if we'll allow him. And and Romans 8.31 says this. It reminds us, if God is for us, who can be against us? So I don't care what team you're on or what team you root for. Right now, my teams are all losing teams, so it's hard to be a sports fan right now. But there's times when I've been picked last on a team before, and I wonder sometimes, you know, when when we're on this losing team, we really need some better players. We really need a better team to help us to to win the game or to, to do a better job. Well, the reality in life is we have the best player on the team. And he picked you, number one. He picked each and every one of us, number one. God is for us. He is not against us. He is not looking to beat us down. God will always be for you. Amen? You know, there's times, like I said, I've struggled with with my insecurities. I've tried to be good enough. I've tried harder to do well. When I was younger and played sports, I I always wanted to do well to impress my dad. My dad was was an athlete, and he was an athlete that in his senior year in high school, he won won the award for best male athlete of that year for his high school, for his entire high school. 
And so I'd hear these stories and I'd watch the, the films of my dad play football and wrestle and, and, and pole vault. And, and he was just kind of the, the stud of his town athletically. And so he taught us and we loved sports growing up and I'd play sports. But I'll tell you this, every time that I would go out on the field or the court or do anything athletic and my dad was there watching, I always wanted to impress him. I always wanted to try a little bit harder because I wanted to be good enough for my dad. I wanted to make sure that I performed well so that ride home was not about everything that I did wrong. I was performing for the approval of my dad. You know, and I thought maybe that would go away as I got older. And, and let, me, let me just, again, say this. This was not because of my dad's doing, okay? This was just ingrained in me that I wanted his approval. So then I go into the family business, and I start preaching God's word because God has called me to it, and that's what my dad does. And I remember those first few sermons that I got to preach, and my dad was actually sitting right here listening in the front row. And I tried harder. I tried to perform, not for that dad, for that dad. And I wanted his approval. I wanted to be good enough. And not only that, it was later on, just before we moved back here again, that I had the opportunity to go and to serve with my dad at the same church. And, and my dad had some health issues. And then I had to lead the church that God had called him to lead. And I thought, oh boy, I really don't want to let my dad down right now. I don't want to hurt him. I want his approval. I want to be good for him. And I would try hard to win his approval. You see, our, our perception in our, in our heart must be changed. We must change our perspective because how many times in our life are we doing life for the approval of God? Where we're thinking, you know what, if I'm nice to my neighbor, if I go to church every, every time the doors are open, God's going to be pleased with me and he's going to be happy with me and, and we're seeking approval, we're doing things for the approval of God. And really our perspective needs to be changed because we need to ask ourselves, instead of am I doing life for God's approval, we need to look at our life and say, am I doing life from the approval of God? You see, God is for us. He's always for you. So no matter what you're doing, he's already given you his stamp of approval. You're already good enough for him. Amen? Somebody needs to hear that today. You are already good enough for God. You already have his approval. So how much more confident can we be when we realize that God is for me? Who can be against me? It doesn't matter how bad I preach to you today, God is for me, and I'm working from his approval. Amen? So you don't have to say anything to me as you leave today. You don't have to go comment on my Facebook post. You don't have to do anything because God has helped me to change my perspective. I don't need the praises of man. I need to know that I'm working because God is for me, not against me. And he's going to empower us. He's going to use us in ways that we can't even think or imagine. But we got to change our perspective. We don't need to try harder for his approval. You already have his approval. Start working and sharing your gifts from the approval of God. Amen? How can I cultivate God confidence instead of self-confidence? Remember that my God is always with me. Hebrews says this, the Hebrews writer in Hebrews chapter 10 says this, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. 
Remember the great reward it brings you. We can trust him. He is always for me. Number two, my God always helps me. My God always helps me. If we're trying to cultivate confidence and we're doing something that we're not confident in, we have an insecurity about, we need to realize that God will always help us. God will always help us. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. We need to remember that the Lord is our helper. We don't have to be afraid. He is there to help us. He's there to give us confidence. God wants us to win. Amen? He wants you and I to be confident in what we're doing. There's there's a time, and I've shared this with you, and you guys are very good to graciously laugh at me and and really kind of give me some pity that I need sometimes. And, And Greg, Pastor Greg has seen a lot more of this recently than many of you have, but I am not a handyman. Uh, I, I know what a hammer is and a screwdriver, and occasionally I can use it. And uh, so those are about it, okay? When we were living in Missouri, one of the things that happened in our, in our home was that our, our garbage disposal went out. And I thought, you know what? I've got YouTube. I could figure this out. This can't be that hard. You take one off, you put another one on. Can't be that hard, right? So I, I watched a couple videos. I had my confidence kind of built up in myself. I had the right tools. I knew what, I was, what, is, what the YouTube video was telling me to do. And I started getting it all taken apart, and I got the disposal apart, and it's laying on the kitchen floor. And I get the new disposal, and I go to put it on, and it doesn't fit right. They should probably tell you that when you go to the store, what kind of disposal you need. So anyway, I'm sitting there with two disposals, and I can't get it back in the sink, and I got this big hole in my sink, and it's not a good thing. So I call my good buddy, Wacy. Wacy is his name, and Wacy is a master plumber. He's a master plumber, and I thought, Wacy's the man for this job. So I called Wacy, and I said, Wacy, I'm, I'm in a predicament. I started a project I don't know how to do, and now I'm messed up, and I can't figure it out. Will you come help me? put this disposal in my sink. And he said to me, before he even showed up at the house, he said, BJ, I want you to know something. I'm not coming to do the job for you. I will come and show you how to do it. And he was going to come help me. And so Wacy shows up at the house, and I got, all of your, I got everything you just strung across the kitchen floor. And Wacy looks at it, and he goes, yep, you got a mess. <laughs> He gets under the sink and he sees that it's going to be bigger than I'm capable of doing. He goes, come with me, let's go get in the truck, we got to go get some parts. I'm thinking, whew, good thing he's here. So we go, we get everything we need, we come back, and then he just sits down in a chair. And I'm thinking, Wacy, what, what, what are we doing here? He goes, you're doing it. I will help you. And I had the master plumber get down on his knees right next to me. And help me complete the job that I had no business doing. And I was able to say when that day was over, Hey, Alicia, I fixed the garbage disposal. (laughs) I'll tell you what, she was so proud of me. It was great. It was great. I loved it. But I couldn't have done it without a helper. 
I couldn't have done it without, uh, without Wacy sitting beside me, giving me directions and helping me in those places that I was not confident in, that I was able to say when it was all said and done, I had a helper. You see, God wants to be our helper. And when God is our helper, he's better than any master plumber, any master electrician, any master anything. He is the master. He is the Lord. He is God. And he is on our side. Amen? He wants to help us. So you might be sitting there today thinking, you know what? My marriage is struggling. Do you want God to restore your marriage? He will help you. Do you want God to help you financially? He will help you. Do you want God to help you start a new ministry that maybe is not being done? He will help you. <laughs> Do you want God to give you the words to say to that neighbor that you haven't talked to that you know you need to invite to church or tell him about Jesus? He will help you. Do you want God to give you strength to endure the difficult times in life? He will help you. Do you want God to give you faith to move forward? He will help you. Some of you are going through some hard times right now. And this time of year doesn't help that. But I'm here to tell you this morning, the Lord is your helper. You need not be afraid. The Lord is my helper. We can cultivate God confidence because the Lord will be our helper. In our, in our life, we had some, some serious moments when, when our daughter was born. We were, we were going through a change in job at the time, and, and we had some insurance issues. And Emma was born eight weeks early, and so Emma was in the NICU, and uh, we, spent, we spent about two weeks in the NICU. And while we're in the NICU, the nurses were so great, and they were caring and loving and helped us. And, and then the conversation got brought up about how much a day in the NICU costs. And it's not cheap. And I'm sitting there in that moment thinking, God, I need you to help us. And I thought insurance would kick in and take over, and insurance didn't take in and kick in. Insurance didn't help. And we got stuck with a bill that was more than I'll ever see in my life. And I said, God, I can't do this. I need you to be my helper. I need you to be my helper. I was afraid. But guess what? God helped us. God helped us come through it. And now when I see my girl and what God is doing in her life, I say, thank you, God, for helping us through it. I didn't ask her for permission. I'm sorry, Emma. I forget she's in here sometimes. God helped us through it. There was a time in my life where I needed to get into full-time ministry. I just knew that's what God called me to do. And so I pushed on doors that were closed. I did everything I could. And finally, a door opened. And it was to go to Wichita, Kansas to be the youth pastor for my dad. We went and interviewed and went through the process. And Everything went so well. We thought for sure this is going to be a great time to reunite with family and be able to minister to my wife's family and be closer to them. And in the last moment, they voted us down. 
Felt like my home church had just stabbed me in the back. Went into a deep depression. Didn't want to go to church. Alicia was scared. We went back home and there'd be Sunday morning. She's like, are we going today? I said, I don't want to go. You can go if you want. I was scared. I was low. But guess what? The Lord is my helper. I didn't have to worry about the approval of man. The Lord is my helper. He helped me through it. He helped me to not be afraid. And as things went on, long story short, Pastor John Cruzy called. <whistles> now I got a new home church. <laughs> Amen. The Lord is my helper. He will help us. He will help us. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in trouble. What that means is he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He is ever-present. He's always there, ready to help us. He will help us. We can have God confidence because God is always for me and God will always help me. Number three, the truth to our question today is my God is still working in me. We can have God confidence because my God is still working in me. I got another story for you. You know, I was doing another handyman job that I shouldn't have been doing. Maybe I should learn my lesson, Pastor Greg. Um, my brother, who's not a handyman either, called me over one day and he said, you know what, you've moved a lot, haven't you? I said, yeah. <laughs> this is some kind of cruel joke. He said, no, we just moved and I need help changing the electrical cord on my dryer. Have you ever done that? I said, yeah, I've done that many times. I can do that. And I have done that many times. But every time before this, I did something very important that you're supposed to do. I turned off the electricity. Well, this time I, I failed that step. And we start working and we get the dryer out. We see what we need. We got everything we had. And I go in to begin to do the work on this cord. And I stick my hand into the thing to move it because I couldn't fit back there. And my hand sticks into where the cord's at and just bites me like nothing else. And I jumped and I screamed and the lights flickered in that apartment and Alicia thought I was dead. And I'll tell you what, when that happened to me, those bad words that I used to say, they all came back. You see, I was a Christian. I was a born again, sanctified believer. But there was a time when that bit me so bad that, that those bad parts of my life came back and reminded me I need him, that he's still working on me, that I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. And in those moments of weakness or in those moments of, of crisis, when, when, there's, when there's trouble and we tend to focus on self, God has an interesting way sometimes of reminding us, hey, I'm still working on you still got a plan for you. I can still use you if you'll let me. You see, Philippians 1.6, Paul writes, being confident of this, that God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you notice what it doesn't say there? It doesn't say that he may carry it out. It doesn't say he will not carry it out because you're not good enough. 
It says we can be confident of this. Confident of what? That God started the work in you. That God created you for a purpose. God has a plan for your life. God has a calling for you. He has given you gifts that he wants you to share and use. And you can be confident of that because God began the work. He will complete the work. God is not a quitter. Aren't you glad for that? I am the best quitter in the world. I'm good at it. I told my trainer a couple years ago, I said, I'm the best quitter in the world. He goes, what do you mean? I said, I quit. I'm done. Tired of this. <laughs> I started again. I'll probably quit again, but I started again. I'm a good quitter. Some of you are great quitters. You get mad and you just quit. You throw your hands up and you're done. I'm the same way. But God is not a quitter. God is not a quitter, especially when it comes to his prized creation, especially when he's invested so much into each and every one of us. He's put so much love and compassion and grace and energy and sacrifice into each and every one of us that I can be confident that when he looks down on us, he could say, you know what? I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with you yet. <laughs> God is still working in us. Amen? Oh, man. Somebody here might be thinking today that you've done something wrong even this week. Maybe it was even on your way to church. How can God still love me? How can he use me? Or maybe you've been a Christian for years, for decades. You've been coming to this church for, for many years of your life. And you think, you know what? People view me as a spiritual veteran, but I've got doubts. I struggle. How can this be? Or maybe somebody's here that's been having a secret sin that you don't know, nobody knows anything about, but you've been struggling with it. And you think, how can I, how can I go on and put a face on when, when I've got this down deep in my life and I can't seem to overcome it? How can God still love me? Or maybe you're somebody who hasn't been walking with God very long. And you've been away from him for so long, you just think, you know what? How can he still love me? I haven't given him the time of the day. And here you are listening to this message. God is still working on you. It's confession time. Whoa, people woke up for that. Not for you. As your pastor, I want to confess to you. There are days that I don't feel worthy enough to get up here and preach to you. There are days when I've blown it at home. My anger's got the best of me. And I've taken it out on the ones I love the most. And I think, you know what, God, how can you still love me? And somehow, you guys still expect me to get up here and preach to you. God is still working on me. God is still working on me. You see, there's times in my life where I come to work and I, and I do everything that I can and I feel like I've put in a good day and I go home and the phone rings and there's something going on at home that I can't get away to help at the church or help with something. I think, you know what, I can't give enough to the church that I want to. And then there's times when I'm here and I'm here and longer than, than expected and there's things that go longer than we thought and there's something going on at home that I miss. And I think, you know what, I can't give enough at home. 
And I get torn and I get pulled and I get stretched. And I think, God, I'm trying so hard. How can this be good? And he whispers in my ear and says, you know what, BJ, I'm still working on you. Still working on you. (laughs) Not good enough in my own sense. Not worthy enough in my own sense. I don't have enough self-confidence to do what I do week in and week out. But here's something I'm thankful for. I can be thankful that I'm not striving for self-confidence. God is not done with me yet. Being confident of this. God who began a good work in me, he will carry it on to completion. He will finish his work. Amen? Let me close with these thoughts today. I want to tell you something this morning. If you don't hear anything else, hear this today. You do not need more self-confidence. You don't need to walk around with an arrogance or a cockiness or a prideful boast. You don't need any more of that. We need to cultivate God confidence. We need to trust in God for his confidence. From our text this morning, forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. So I want to ask you the question this morning that we're just going to have a time of introspection today. Looking within. Does your faith life Does your walk with the Lord look like you're still living for God's approval? Or are you living from the approval of God? Because if you're trying so hard to gain his approval, you've missed the mark. He's already got his approval of you set in place. You can work from his approval today. Why? Because God is always with us. He is always for us. He will always help us. And God is still working on us. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes today? I just want to close in a word of prayer for all of us today. Father God, we come to you today at this moment of this day. At this point in our service, in our worship time of you. God, sometimes we come into worship with the wrong perspective. And we think about, well, what, what, do, what can I get out of this? Uh, that just really didn't go the way I hoped or I wanted today. But God, I pray that you help us in this moment right now, no matter what we've thought to this point, that right now we can stop and think, God, have I given you my worship today? Have I given you the best of me today? Have I worshipped you today the way you needed me to worship you today? And God, I pray that you'd help us today to trust in you for our confidence. Not in ourself, but 
as we remember that you are always for us. You are always going to help us and you are still working on us. That God, we can come into a place like this and we can, we can worship you in spirit and in truth and we can give you our everything. But God, there's still a moment today that one act of worship that we need to give is we need to respond to the truth of your word. And so God, today I pray this prayer for anybody today that is struggling to be confident in their thanksgiving. God, would you help us to remember that you approve of us, you love us, you will help us, and you will not quit on us. And as we walk out of these doors today, we can be confident and thankful for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before you go today, remember tonight, 6 o'clock tonight, Calvary Baptist. We'll see you for a community-wide Thanksgiving service. Have a great day.